The topic is sharing God's story, understanding, and communicating the gospel. And we've tried to have a very similar format uh, to our lesson notes. You can see right at the top is this list of key terms, and we're going to be touching on each of these terms as we make our way through the lesson. So where we want to start is in that uh, first passage of Scripture that's listed, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. So the Bible says in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Last week, we learned how we can share our story. Our story is all about how we came to believe in Jesus and how he's changed our lives. The unique people and places and circumstances all add up to a unique story about God's love and grace. But what is ultimately the purpose of sharing our story? It's about taking our story and connecting it to God's story. What is God's story? God's story is the story of how God redeemed us from our sin. It's this great plan of redemption. And there's this wonderful word that we use to summarize God's story. It's the gospel. The good news that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's God's story. That's the gospel. And more than anything else, people need to hear God's story. People need to hear the gospel. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what's the goal of the lesson tonight? We want to mark a clear path in Scripture that you can lead someone down so that they can believe in Jesus and be saved. The path that we're going to be using in this lesson might be familiar to some. It's referred to sometimes as the Romans' road to salvation. So we're going to be working our way through the book of Romans, identifying some verses that you can use. You share your story, <clears throat> you begin talking to them about the gospel, and you share from them the word. This is what it means to be saved. This is what God's word says about our sin and about death and about what happens after we die. Now, a couple of things before we uh, talk about these questions we're going to get answered and get right into it. The first is, why the book of Romans? The book of Romans is an exhaustive and comprehensive treatment of salvation. So all of God's word is about God's plan to redeem us. All of God's word is about the gospel. All of God's word is about Jesus. But when we take the book of Romans, we have all of these really important topics covered, all these really important questions answered. And so that's why it's been not uncommon for people to say, you know, you can map out, you can mark out this path that you can walk down in the book of Romans and you can share these verses and you can summarize very beautifully the gospel and what someone needs to do to be saved, right? Now, I'll be honest, I kind of struggle with how I wanted to approach this lesson because there is 
the very clear teaching of Scripture in the book of Romans that helps us understand what it means to be saved. And then there's all these really great passages outside of Romans in the Old Testament, other parts of the New Testament. But what I really want to do is stay in the book of Romans. Now, before we dig into that, there's one last thing I want to say. It might get a little overwhelming, but the point is this. What we want to do is to just get a good understanding of what the Bible says, have this path, this Romans road that we can utilize. Not all of the verses that we're going to read together tonight, you're necessarily going to share every time you have a chance to have a conversation with somebody, right? It might seem, man, this is a lot of certain topics we're covering. My goal tonight is to lay out this path for you to see these verses, hopefully commit these verses to memory, at the very least the references, and then maybe give you some things to think about in terms of questions you might get asked or uh, challenges that you might face in the conversation and just equip you to be able to have a gospel conversation, right? So not everything that we're going to talk about tonight is necessarily required every time you have a conversation. The point is to help give you something that you can work with, right? So maybe you've been saved for a long time and following Jesus for a long time. My prayer is that this will kind of maybe stretch you a little bit and challenge you about how you have gospel conversations with people in your life. And then maybe you're uh, young in the faith, you're newer in your following Jesus, and you think, man, this is a lot of stuff. Listen, you take the story, the way that God has changed your life, and you take the simple truths of the Bible, like God loves you, and he died on the cross for us, and he wants to save you, and you can share the truth of God's word with somebody else. So don't feel, oh, there's a lot of verses here. I have to know all these things. Listen, what you need to know is that God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, and if you'll believe in Jesus, you can be saved right? That's the story we want to tell. But I hope that as we address some other topics and maybe some challenges that people face, it'll help you as you share the gospel, all right? So what questions are we going to answer? What does it mean to be made righteous? How can we be reconciled to God? What does it mean to confess Jesus as Lord? These are just a few of the questions that we hope to answer. So the main sections of the lesson are the verses that we want to identify as these marks on the Romans road. So let's get started. Romans 3.10, right? This is stop number one on the road. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that there is no one who meets the standard of a holy God. All of humanity is in rebellion against God and his authority. The problem is not that we are not good enough. The problem, according to the Word of God, is that we are not good at all. There is none righteous, the Bible says. There is nobody who can meet the standard of a holy God. If we back up from verse 10 to verse number 9 and read a few more verses, we have some things that I think can help us here. Starting in verse number nine, these are in your notes. What then? Are we better than they? Just to give you some context here, Paul is talking about Jewish people versus Gentile people or people outside of the nation of Israel. Are we, Jewish people, better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none <clears throat> that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. 
The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. What is it, why, what is it important that we make this first stop? The Bible says there's none righteous. The problem is that God is holy and we are not. And we can't meet that standard. Why is it important when Paul here in the book of Romans expands on our condition in sin? Why is it important to identify this when we're having conversations? You know, because sometimes the challenge for people is that religious, being religious is about the things that we do. And so there's this association with being moral or good in some sort of you know, cultural sense. Like, listen, we can make rules for ourselves and then not break those rules and we feel pretty good about ourselves, don't we? Right? And sometimes where there's a challenge is for people to say, well, I mean, how bad am I? The Bible says that all of us, there is none righteous. There is none of us that meets the standard of a holy God. In this context, righteous means to meet that standard. When it says there's none righteous, there's nobody that has what they need to enter into God's presence. Uh, there are a couple phrases. There's quite a bit we could say in here, but here's a few that I wanted to point out to you. There is none that seeketh after God, and there is no fear of God before their eyes. These statements illustrate the rebellion of humanity against God and his authority. See, you read some of these other things in the list, and you think, well, those things are so clearly and obviously bad. But the Bible says, along some of these other things... There's no fear of God before their eyes, right? So sometimes it's hard for people to really understand our condition because, well, I'm not so bad. You know, like not everybody who doesn't believe is living a terrible, horrible life by some sort of cultural standard. There are people who don't believe who are married and their marriages are pretty healthy, relatively happy. Or maybe there are people who don't believe and they have children and they do just a fine job parenting. What's the problem? The problem is not, oh, that we're not good enough. The Bible says we are all not righteous. That's our problem. We don't seek after God. When we try to communicate the gospel, when we say Romans 3.10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. We're not trying to tell people, if you do more of these other things and don't do these things. No, the Bible says there's none righteous and I can't do anything about that. There's no change I can make, no decision, no, I can't go somewhere and learn some more. There's, there's nothing that I can do to take care of that. I'm not righteous, and I can't do anything about that. What does the next part here say? Guilty, right? That last statement where it says that every mouth may be stopped. You know what that means? We don't have any argument. We can't say anything in our defense. Right? When we're trying to communicate the gospel and trying to help people understand why they need to be saved, it's important to try to help people understand that it's not, it's not just about these things that we think good people do. It's about we are lost. We're not righteous. And we have no defense that we can make on our own. Guilty, the Bible says, under judgment and in debt. That's what that means. That all, every mouth may be stopped and the world may become guilty before God. Where, what is the first stop on the Romans road? There's none righteous. We are guilty. Bad news. The Bible says every mouth is stopped. 
There's no excuse making. I included a couple of other passages. I really want to encourage you to go back through and read these passages that are outside the book of Romans that really help to uh, really underpin uh, this uh, passage, really had so much uh, depth. But when we're talking about this first stop, there's none righteous, no, not one. We have a problem. We're not righteous. And we need help to fix that problem. Romans 3.23, that's our next stop. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, before I read this next uh, paragraph, there was something I failed to mention. I know we probably mentioned it last week, but a good bit of what we talked about last week and what we're talking about this week is adapted from a book, Disciples Making Disciples, really wonderful book by something called the Timothy Initiative. Until my preparation for Discipleship Deep Dive, I had never heard of the Timothy Initiative. And what a really encouraging, practical resource to help us grow in our, uh, in our understanding of what it means to be a witness for Jesus. But the reason I mentioned that, I want to be clear to mention that, is because for some of these portions of the Romans Road, I took uh, whole portions right out of the, the curriculum. I put a little mark next to each paragraph. That way you just know this is coming right from disciples making disciples. I want to make sure that I mention that. We all fall short of God's standard of perfection as our sin separates us from God. The sin, to sin means to miss the mark. If you try to throw a rock over a mountain, the attempt will fall short. Some will throw farther than others, but all will fall short. Anything other than a bullseye misses the intended mark. So there's none righteous. And the reason that there's none righteous is because we have this problem. We sin. And the Bible explains that this is part of who we are. It's our nature. Um, you do not become a sinner when you sin. You sin because you are a sinner, right? It's who we are because of the fallen world, the broken world that we live in. Again, if we go a few verses back from our main verse, which is Romans 3.23, to verse number 20, the Bible says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, man, isn't that good? There's some good stuff right there, right? The Bible tells us that by the law is the knowledge of sin. We're not justified by the things that we do because it's in our effort to try to do better that we come to recognize just how short we fall of the standard, right? Have you ever tried to do, you're like, I'm going to make changes. I'm going to do better things in my life. I'm going to, uh, maybe even outside of the realm of things necessarily good and evil, but just practical things. I want to do better. I want to wake up earlier. I want to uh, exercise more. I want to eat better. I was in the store the other day. I want to eat better. And then I saw chocolate-covered Oreos. Why does the Oreo need more chocolate, right? But the reality is I struggle, right? And if you're wondering, what happened? Did you get them? You better believe that I did. And they are hidden. I just shared that secret with all of you. Don't tell my kids, right? Especially Brooklyn. She'll scale the highest heights, right? 
to get what she can get. But what is the issue? You take something like, like silly like that, we know we're just not what we want to be or do what we should do, but then you move over into the realm of, man, as much as I would love to be patient all the time with my children, I'm not. And as much as, the time I, as, much as I would love to be the, the, a person that, you know, that works hard and that does the things that they want to do, sometimes I fall short. Right? So the, the reason we're not justified by the things that we do is because the things, the effort to do better is what reveals to us the reality we fall short. Amen. There is no difference. Sin is something that we all have in common. We're all sinners. That's something that brings us all together. Isn't that wonderful? What brings us all together is this shared reality that we have a problem. And the problem is sin. Um, something I heard years ago, and I can't remember where I heard it, but I know it has helped me. You want to know why you should try to be nice? Because everybody else is a sinner too, you know? Like, we struggle. We're sinners. I remember preaching and teaching on this kind of idea, and some people don't like to be called a sinner. It's like, well, you know, the Bible says that once we're saved, we become saints, and we're sanctified and justified and all these things, and all those things are true and wonderful. And aren't they something to praise the Lord for, for what he does? But everything that he does for us, we're still sinners, right? If you're saved, you're a saved sinner. And what a wonderful thing it is to be a saved sinner. To be a lost sinner, that's where anybody in our life who is in that place, we ought to have a desire to share the gospel with them so that they can be saved because there's a big difference between being a saved sinner and being a lost sinner. But we're sinners. We struggle with sin. We need help because of our sin. So what's the answer, right? You say, this road is depressing, right? If I'm trying to take someone down this road, they're going to want to look for an off-ramp, right? They're going to want to bail on this conversation. You'd be surprised. I know I have been. We are surprised, but we shouldn't be surprised. See, God's word is truth, absolute truth. And you'll have conversations with people and you'll share some of these harder things about the gospel and God's Holy Spirit will work and it will resonate with people. You want to know why? Because it's true. And we know it's true. We're not righteous and we're not righteous because we sin. Isn't it wonderful though, that, that one word in Romans 5a, we're walking along this road and the road seems dark, but... God. It just changes everything, doesn't it? It's dark road, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God knew that it was impossible for us to be without sin on our own, but God's love for us was so great that he sent his son to pay the penalty of death we deserved. This means that he does not ask us to fix or clean ourselves up first in order to earn eternal life. While we were sinners, Jesus died in our place. Isn't it wonderful to think about God's love for us? He says, in that, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. See, the amazing thing is we didn't deserve it and didn't do anything to earn it but he did it for us anyway. You go back to verse number six there in Romans chapter number five. 
The Bible says, and this is in your notes, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. The word commendeth, to show, to present. How do we know that God loves us? He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the ultimate example of Jesus is of God's love for us. And when you're sharing God's story with somebody, when you explain this truth that, these truths that penetrated your soul at one point, where you said, listen, I just came to the, re- the realization that I was not righteous, I could not stand before a holy God because of my sin, but God commendeth his love toward us. He showed us how much he loved us through the sacrifice of his son Jesus. That phrase, and this is in your notes again, without strength, we are completely helpless in our sin. We can't get where we need to go. We need help, right? The Bible says, I mean, the, uh, there was a song that I listened to growing up. I always loved the song. He came to me. When I could not come to where he was, he came to me. That's why he died. There was this gap. There's this space. I can't cross it. When the Bible says reconciled, right? That's what God did for us. We were here and we couldn't get here the way it was supposed to be, right? When, when God created this world and the universe and everything in it, it was good and it was perfect. And then sin entered into the world and distorted that perfect picture. And so the way it's supposed to be is we're here and God is, we're supposed to be there. And so what does he do? Through his sacrifice on the cross, he reconciles us. He, maybe, maybe you can relate in your life. You have a relationship. Now, I know there are probably some people in the room, <clears throat> you don't have anybody in your family or anybody that you have struggles with or anything. But for those of us who have relationship problems, right, if you're here and you have no relationship issues, yeah, amen. We have some, we, we need some advice, right? But for the 99.9% of us who know what that's like, right? We understand that part of making things right, this idea of reconciling, what is that? We're going to identify what's wrong. And when it comes to human relationships, you and me, I make concessions, you make concessions, I identify where I failed. But do you understand that when, when the Bible talks about God reconciling us to himself, he didn't have anything that he needed to get taken care of. It was a completely one-sided transaction. He reconciles us to himself because he loves us. It's like when you think about how dark the road starts and you think, how can we get there? It's because that's how much God loves us. And when he says, and listen, if you're sharing this with somebody and you say to somebody, you have somebody in your life that you wish you could reconcile with? Like this is the idea. God wants to bring that kind of reconciling love and power into our lives. He wants to change things. And he starts by, you can't do anything to make this better, but I can. And he reconciles us 
to himself. There's this little graphic, and listen, I am not artistic by any means whatsoever. Richard's here. He's artistic, right? I could have had him draw these little lines for me, right? But in your notes, what, what's the purpose of this little, these little graphics here? The purpose is that if you're sitting down and having a conversation with somebody and you're wanting to illustrate and you're like me and it's stick figures and that's about it, right? You can draw some semicircles on a nap. I mean, can you imagine how awesome it would be to just be sitting in whatever coffee place? I'm not going to go there. You know, we'll have start a debate if I mention a particular one, right? But you're sitting somewhere. And you just say, you know what, if, can, I, can I show you? And you just start, look, here's where we are and here's where God is. And then you just draw that cross right down the middle. And because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You say, oh, that seems really simplistic. But when I saw those little images, and I thought, man, how amazing would it be to have a story where I could just say, this is what this looks like. We were here. He's there. And the cross is what makes the difference. So as you're sharing the good news, the gospel that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for you and for me, what you can do is you can illustrate it so simply. Just demonstrate that space. We were sinners, but Christ died for us. He reconciled us to himself. Again, I've included some passages outside of the book of Romans. You can read those passages. Try to make the connection with what we've read in Romans, the passage we've listed in Romans, and these other passages to just broaden your understanding of these truths to help give you even more of God's word. And let me say this before we move on to the next part. I'm so glad that I don't have to try to convince anybody of anything. And Pastor Tony talked about this when we talked about the work of the Holy Spirit as it relates to our salvation. Listen, we have what God has done for us we can share our testimony. There's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. And when you share the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, the, the Word of God will not return void. That's right. It will accomplish what it is sent to accomplish. And if, if you and I will hide God's Word in our hearts, don't underestimate the power of God's Word. You say, Pastor Matt, people have all these crazy ideas about things anymore. And I mean, and we have to try to make a compelling case. And we've got to try to argue for this and argue for that. And listen, there is a time and there's a place. There are some people who God's going to work in and through their life through addressing some other topics and other things. I'm not saying that there isn't a, a, a space for those conversations. What I'm saying is that if we believe the word of God has power, right, before you try to convince somebody that it would be good for them, why not just let God do a work? Share the word with them. Pray that the Holy Spirit would work. You have people in your life who you want to share the gospel with, but you just, it, the whole thought of it just petrifies you. Pray that the Holy Spirit of God will convict. Pray that the word of God will bring faith into their life. Pray that God will work. Because when God works, incredible things can happen. Right? But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we have our first stop. We're not righteous. The second stop, we've all sinned. That's why we're not righteous. The third stop, things brighten up considerably. But God commendeth his love toward us. 
The next stop on the Romans road, Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see this illustration so beautifully in those little graphics, right? What's the problem? Separation. And when the Bible talks about death as it relates to sin, it's talking about that separation from God. Adam and Eve were created. They were put into this beautiful place and they had a right relationship with God. And then they sinned and they died. Separation from God came into the world. And now we're, we're separated. And so when the Bible says the payment for our sin, the wages of sin is death, the problem is separation. What we earn for being a sinner is death and separation from God now and for eternity. This is why we need a Savior. Fortunately for us, this is exactly what we receive through faith in Christ. Forgiveness of our sins results in the free gift of eternal life. Isn't it amazing to think because of what Jesus Christ has done, this great separation between us and God can be covered because of what Jesus Christ has done. The gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, if you do not believe in Jesus and you're lost, you are separated from God and you'll be separated in this life and then you enter into eternity and you'll be separated from God forever. And there's a horrible, terrible place that the Bible calls hell that it's described for us, we weren't supposed to go there. But because of sin, if we don't believe, we are separated from God forever. But just like eternal life, if someone believes and is saved, you have eternal life right now, right? That's not something that you're going to get later on. Your eternal life is right now. Even so, our eternal separation is right now. We're separated from God until we're not until God does that remarkable, miraculous, saving work. And so what people need to understand is sin separates us from God now and forever. But the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 5 and verse, verses 12 through 21. This is a little bit of a longer passage. This is one chapter back from where we are. But I wanted to include it because there's some really, really important thoughts in here. Let me read these verses to you. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude, similar, of Adam's transgression, who is, through, who is the figure of him that was to come." But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification." For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. 
But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so grace might reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, that's a longer passage, right? That was the one I debated most about including, right? Because you might read that and you might think, that's so much. But this is why it's so important. By one sin, death and separation from God pass on to all. But through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, by one man's obedience, the free gift abounds to everybody. When the Bible says death reigned and sin abounded, separation from God and the bondage of sin is the current state and ultimate destiny of all who do not believe in Jesus. There is the wages of sin is death. As we try to communicate to people, what that means is that God created us to have a relationship with him. And the problem and what sin has done is it has separated us from God. But the gift of God is eternal life. He makes it right through faith in Jesus Christ. But where sin and death abounded, but don't you love that phrase, grace did much more abound. We were lost and we were hopeless and we were helpless. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and made a way for us to be redeemed. Now, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. When we talk about Romans 6.23, and we're trying to share God's story with people, to, to understand that where we are without Christ is not where we were created to be. We were created to be with God. And he wants that so much for us that he made a way for us to get to him. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be redeemed. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, where does that bring us to? All right, if the first stop, we're not righteous, Romans 3.10. The next stop, Romans 3.23, we're not righteous because of sin, and we come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us. 6.23, the separation from God the gift of eternal life. So then what are we to do? If you're sharing God's story, if you're sharing the gospel with somebody and the Holy Spirit is working through the word and someone says, okay, then what now? I mean, if this is the problem is sin and where we need and what we need is to get to God, then what do we do? Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. To make Jesus the Lord of your life means to invite him to be the king or leader of your life. When we confess that Jesus is Lord, we surrender our desires and will to his. We acknowledge that his ways are true and better than our own. We commit our life to following and loving him with all our heart. Believing in Jesus means we no longer try to be good enough, Instead, we trust that Jesus died in our place and paid the price. It is now our joy and privilege to live out the freedom he gives us. So if the problem is sin, then what is going to, what, what needs to happen? Faith in Jesus, belief in Jesus, right? When we believe in Jesus for salvation and we are saved, the Bible says we're justified. We're made righteous, the problem, we're not righteous, is solved because he makes us righteous. 
through faith in Jesus Christ. And when the Bible talks about confessing, when the Bible talks about believing in our heart, it's about we hear the gospel and we respond in faith to the gospel. The, Holy, the, the, the Spirit convicts us. We recognize we're sinners. We need a Savior. And we believe in Jesus. I want to read a couple of verses before verses 9 and 10. Romans 10, verses 1 through 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There's an illustration that Paul gives here in the first part of Romans 10. His prayer is that his countrymen would believe. They are rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. He wants them to believe. But he said, what is their problem? They continue to want their own righteousness to be what they offer up to God. What have they not done? He said, they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. What is our problem? We're not righteous, and there's nothing that we can do to be righteous. And I just love the phrase in the early part of Romans chapter 10, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. See, Jesus did what needed to be done. And where it, where it ends, it's like what, where it ends is with Jesus. He spread out his arms on the cross and he cried out, it is finished. He did the work. We need to believe in Jesus. We need to believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that he was buried and rose again. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Confess is to declare openly or to speak out freely. What we're saying is we believe the gospel, we believe in Jesus, and when we confess with our mouth, when we pray or when we testify openly, we are confessing Jesus Christ as Lord. And when we do that, the Bible says that God will save us. We can be saved through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So as you bring somebody to this point, they get to this place. If we'll confess that Jesus is Lord, if we'll believe in, your heart, in, in, in our heart, Paul's desire for his countrymen to get saved is directly connected to, he knows that they know what the, the law is, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And he said, what is the work that God wants to do in our lives? He says, there are those who say, well, we, we have to get somewhere. We have to do something. That's that whole language about we got to go up or we got to go down. This is, what, is, what do we have to do? He said, no, the, the, the law, the, the truth is in your heart. It's in your mouth. You know it. I preached it. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. If you'll believe, you'll be saved. So hard to get past that for his countrymen. 
and how it continues to be a problem for us today. We just can't get past that. That is what, that's how salvation comes. That's what is available to us. That is the miracle that God has done for us. That is the beauty of the gospel. If you believe, you'll be saved. If you believe what the scriptures tell us about Jesus and what he's done for us, we can be saved. So then, Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is good to follow every gospel presentation with an invitation to accept Christ. After you share your story or the gospel in any form, you can ask something like this. And again, this is right from disciples making disciples. Would you like to make Jesus king of your life now? If they say yes, lead the person to the Lord immediately. Now that language, what does that mean? We want to encourage people to come to understand the gospel, right? To confess, to openly declare their understanding of the truth of the gospel. Now, there's a couple of additional verses here that I want to read before we talk about this idea of of offering up an opportunity for someone to pray and what that means and what it doesn't mean. But Romans 10, verse number 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the Bible says, how are they going to call on who they haven't believed? And how are they going to believe if they haven't heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? That is where we come in. That's why we're here. And if we're going to ask God to grow us in our faith and in our boldness to share the gospel, as we seek to share the truth of the gospel, we ought to have a desire to have moments in our lives, conversations in our life where we share the truth and we just invite people. Do you believe? Do you want to believe? Do you want to trust Christ? I mean, we ask them as we share the word of God with them right here, right now, we have an opportunity to confess Christ as Lord and to, I mean, we right now walking in our faith together. For have you ever invited somebody to believe? And listen, I wish that I could say that I've had more conversations than I, the truth is, there is nothing quite as amazing as seeing somebody put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Yep. Having the opportunity to be able to share the word with them and to see them come to a place of belief. To see them come to realize through the work of the Holy Spirit, I am lost, I need a, sin, I need a savior. And they believe and they are saved. And brothers and sisters, if you have an opportunity, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, God wants to give you the opportunity in your life to share the gospel with somebody and invite them to believe and to see it. You say, Pastor Matt, it's not for me. I'm so thankful that that's not the case. Whoever you are, whatever's happened in your life, whatever, whatever challenges you think are in your way, he invites all of us who believe to be his witnesses and he will use you if you ask him to use you. And if you'll pray for opportunities, he'll give you those opportunities. And so when we talk about this idea of coming to a point where we invite someone to believe, you can use a simple prayer. 
as an example. Now, and I appreciate the way that this is worded. Again, right from disciples making disciples. Remember, there's nothing special about reciting words. It's through faith in Christ that we are saved, right? When we offer up as an example of something that you might say in the living room of your home or at a family reunion or to your neighbor or whatever, wherever this conversation is happening, as we offer up this example of something that you might offer to somebody as something that they can pray, a way that they can confess, it's very important to understand that we're, it's not about reciting words. It's about believing in Jesus, right? And with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. This is where we're going to make it open, make it clear, make it very obvious. The Holy Spirit has convicted and worked. I believe I'm saved. And so I'll pray. And so this suggestion as a prayer is for you to use as a tool where you have a gospel conversation, you have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody and have this kind of conversation. You could say something like this, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. I'm sorry for all the wrong things I've done in my life. I believe and place my faith in you, that you came into this world, lived a perfect life, died for my sins and were raised to life again. Please forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Please fill me and transform me from the inside out. I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What an awesome thing it would be to be able to have an opportunity to lead somebody to confess Jesus as Lord in that way. And something that I want to invite you to pray about is that God would give you an opportunity to have that kind of conversation with somebody, a conversation that could come to that kind of point. You know, um, Next week, we're going to have an opportunity as a church to minister to kids and to families in our community. And we're going to have opportunities and praying for opportunities, maybe even during VBS, to sit down with some of these kids. Or if parents come to have conversations and talk to them about the gospel, could you not pray? Could we not pray that there'd be people in this room next week who would confess Jesus as Lord and be saved? That they could hear the gospel and be saved? Isn't that what it's all about? And so what we want to do is pray that God would give us the boldness to be a witness for him. Wherever you are, whatever, area, whatever um, um, is happening in your life, whatever circumstances are happening in your life, will you pray and ask God to help you grow in your desire and in your passion to be a witness for him?